Blessings to you, my friend. This is Pastor McGee with Empowerment Ministries Christian Center, and you're listening to Empower the City Podcast. I pray today that your hearts are blessed, minds renewed, and you are infused with the passion to serve God like never before. Blessings to you, and enjoy the message. Genesis chapter number 24, verses number 58. The Bible declares, so they called Rebecca and asked her, will you go with this man? I will go, she said. So they sent their sister Rebecca on her way, along with her nurse and Abraham's servant and his men. Now Isaac had come from Beer Laharoi, for he was living in the Negev. Look at verse number 63. He went out to the field one evening to somebody shall meditate. He went out one evening to meditate, and as he was, and as he looked up, he saw camels approaching. Rebecca also looked up and saw Isaac. She got down from her camel and asked the servant. Who was that man in the field coming to meet us? He is my master, the servant answered. So she took her veil and covered herself. Then the servant told Isaac all he had done. Father, once again, thank you for this opportunity. Be glorified, my king, in all that's said and done. And it is in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says, for the past couple of weeks, we've been dealing with this idea concerning the secret sauce of strong marriages. And I think it's just right uh, for us to focus on this subject. And, and again, I apologize in advance. This is probably one of the longest series that I'm going to be on all year. Um, I think this is week number, week number five, and we have two more weeks. So seven weeks on the series is, is quite, is, is long for me. Um, but I believe that there's some nuggets in this series that's going to be a blessing, not only for this congregation, but as we broadcast, it's going to be a blessing to others as well. We started out um, on week number one talking about being equally yoked. And, and Abraham, he was so funny, he said, he says to his servant, don't, don't get one of those Canaanite women for my son. Now, I don't know what's up with the Canaanite sisters, but he didn't want Isaac with one of them. Can somebody say amen to that? He says, in essence, he's saying that I want them to be equally yoked. And that's important if you are a believer. Come on, according to the scripture, you have no business looking for somebody that's not a believer. Come on, I know she's fine. Come on, somebody. I know he got it going. He got, he got money. He got a job. I know. But if he ain't got Jesus, come on, somebody. Yes. And not only is it important for you guys to be equally yoked as you are in approaching marriage, it's also important for you guys to continue to grow together. Can you say amen to that? Week number two, we talked about selfless service. And this is very, very pow powerful because we saw we highlighted a principle in the text that 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 was transformative. And this is the principle. When a man serves a woman, he demonstrates care and love. When a woman serves a man, she demonstrates honor and respect. So, brother, when you stop serving her, you're telling her, in essence, I don't love you. Sisters, when you stop serving him, in essence, you're saying, I don't honor and I don't respect you. And I know sometimes you, well, he ought to just know I love him. Well, I believe love is what love. The Bible declares, for God so loved the world that he would, y'all. It motivated him to actually do something, so selfless service. Week number three, which I really liked this weekend. It was the most quietest week it was. I got two amens the entire service. Marital mentoring is so important to have a couple that you can be accountable to that can help you through some of the rough times in marriage. Week number four, leaving and cleaving, uh, that, was, that was an extreme blessing as well. So what I want to talk about today, man, and this is very, very powerful, out of the four so far, now, number seven is going to be, yeah, that's really going to be good. We're going to talk about sex, sex in session seven. 
How about that? Sex in session seven. Church going to be packed out. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But out of all of them, except for seven, <laughs> what I'm going to talk about today has been the most impactful in my marriage, in my wife and I, well, for me, been the most impactful. And had I not learned what I'm getting ready to highlight today, I'm telling you, I would not be married today. 20 years would be gone down this drain. Maybe we wouldn't have even made 20 years if, if I didn't if I didn't practice what I'm getting ready to highlight today, and I want to talk about simply managing your thought life. Look at your neighbor. Help me preach to your neighbor. Say, neighbor, I think you're a nice person, but you think crazy sometimes. Somebody said most of the time. Who was that? Who was that? Now, now come on, come on now. Sometimes your thought can be way off. And, and, oh, Lord, don't be safe for a long time. Sometimes well, I'm, I, I just feel it in my spirit. No, you crazy. <laughs> you don't feel nothing. That's just you. Managing your thought life, because watch this. The Bible declares, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Th this is the issue sometimes in marriage, and you got to be careful, because sometimes troubles will come. Sometimes chaotic times will come. And, and ladies, let me talk to the ladies for a second. Sometimes you can have bitter thoughts concerning your husband. And if you're not careful, you can be so consumed with bitter thoughts that you become a bitter woman. And if you become a bitter woman, then every time life pushes you, all you got to spit out is poison. Sometimes, brothers, you can have angry thoughts concerning your wife. And if you're not careful, these angry thoughts will consume you and angry thoughts manifest the an angry man. And when a man gets angry and he isolates himself and he goes into his cave, Elijah... It's never good. The scripture declares, and, and I wanna, I'm going to teach this particularly, again, I'm, I'm going to read the same text next week, but I'm going to talk about it more from a single perspective, whereas today I want to talk about this particular text more from a marital perspective. And for my theologians, next week is going to be more in context than it is this week, so have some mercy on me. Praise the Lord. Isn't it good when the preacher tells you he's going to preach something out of context? I mean, I'm just telling you, so you ain't got to be like, I'm, I'm not sure that was in context. It, it's not. I'm just extrapolating the thought out of this particular text. Next week, I'm going to re-preach it. It's going to be in context. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Deke said, shut up and just preach. You don't want to hear that. Just preach. <laughs> now, watch this. Now, Isaac had come from Bir Laharoi. And he was living in the Negev. He went out to the field one evening and he, what did he do, y'all? He was meditating. I want to talk about this idea of biblical meditation. Biblical meditation is a, watch this, it is a lost art amongst Christianity. I know that it is because whenever we think of meditation, we often think of some Eastern religion. We think about chanting or somebody humming, so forth and so on. But all throughout the Bible, you see people meditating. You see patriarchs meditating. I just want to highlight just a couple of scriptures. Psalms 19:14. the psalmist says, May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is powerful because the psalmist evidently knows the power of meditation. So he knows that if I meditate on stuff, if I meditate on this subject, it's going to produce something out of meditation. So I want to make sure I'm meditating on the right thing so I can produce the right fruit. 
Psalms 119.22 says, Remove from me their scorn and contempt, for I keep your statues. Why do I keep your statues? 23 says, Though rulers sit together and slander me, your servant will meditate on your decrees. Boy, I could drop the mic right there because he said, they hating on me, but I choose to think about what they saying. I'm just going to think about what you said about me. They say I'm cursed, but you say I'm high, uh, uh, blessed and highly favored. So I disregard what they're saying, and I'm going to keep my mind focused on what you're saying about me, God. Can you say amen to that? Timothy, Paul writes, and he says, neglect not the gift that is in thee which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the Presbyterian. 15 says, meditate. Somebody shout meditate. He says, I want you to mentally rehearse, meditate on these things. When it comes to biblical meditation, if you take a note, jot this down. Number one, it's a form of prayer. It is, it is a form. It's a form of prayer. It's, it's the form that I, I practice most often. And I'm going to explain why here in a moment. Number two, meditation, biblical meditation requires a peaceful place. It doesn't necessarily have to be a quiet place because you can add music, um, you can add mu musing, muttering, chanting to it, as long as you're chanting the right thing. Can somebody say amen to that? <laughs> Number three, requires time to arrest wandering thoughts. I want to deal with that because most times we think like this. And because we think like this, we approach prayer like this. And usually we don't get much accomplished in our prayer life because our prayers are not focused. Understand, whenever you meditate, you're taking a single thought and you're putting all of your time and energy in what God said concerning that particular thought. Let me tell you why, prayer, why most people don't pray. Just real simple. Because real prayer takes time. So, so like, I, I prayed this morning, I prayed this morning, I was like, Father, bless this omelet in your precious name. Aye, aye. <laughs> you understand? You know, that, that simple, simple prayer. But when you're really, really going through some challenging times, it takes a little bit more than, Lord, just. And I know sometimes you can just say, God, help. And God understands the help. He understands and he hears that. But, but, but if, if prayer is what it's really supposed to be and it's communion with you and God, it, it's like me and my wife when we're really sitting down and we're talking about some challenging things in our lives. We don't just come up with a bunch of, we have to sit down. We have to look at each other eyeball to eyeball and we have to hash some things out. We have to throw ideas out. Prayer is more than me just unloading my conscience so I can feel better. Prayer is me talking to God what's upon my heart and then giving him an opportunity to speak back to me what I gave to him. Somebody shout, that takes time. So that's just the beginning phase of prayer. That's not even meditation because, again, meditation is when I begin to re rehearse what he said. But before I can mentally rehearse what he said, I got to hear what he's saying. So I got to isolate all of these thoughts and put them over here, over there, and I'm just going to focus on this right now. I'm going to talk to God about this particular situation. I'm going to hear from him, and that's what I'm going to take into meditation. Biblical meditation, here it is, is focused thinking on the promise of God. Is you taking a simple thought and mentally rehearsing that one promise that God has spoken in your life? Psalms 119.15 says, I meditate. Somebody shout meditate. 
He says, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. So it requires focus, thinking on the promises of God. Num number five, I think that's number five, right? And this is the most powerful one. Meditation produces spiritual and natural manifestations. I need you to hear this. Me meditation produces spiritual and natural manifestations. In the times in our church when the Spirit of God has come in, and I'm talking about it, it wasn't just personality prompting people. It wasn't just, because, because sometimes, you know, you can like just hear your, your favorite song. You'd be like, hey. Like it's a song right now. If all the young people in here, if it came on, they could be half asleep. But when that song come on, they'd be like, hey. More than just a favorite song, but I'm talking about the Spirit of God comes in, rushes in, and I'm talking about does something supernatural. In those times, and it doesn't happen every Sunday, but when it happens, this, this is what happened. You have a group of people that have made a connection into one thing, and that's worship. Let, let, me, let me give you an example. I, I, grew up, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. That's my background, Pentecostalism. And there was a particular practice that oftentimes we were picked at about, but it was, it was a powerful practice, and we called it tarrying. Anybody ever heard of that, tarrying? Okay, so, so, so in a tarry service, watch this. This is what happened. Usually there was a drummer somewhere, and in a church that I grew up in, it was one bass drum. Watch this. This was the beat, and my daddy was the drummer. And watch this. Everybody in the church would just start saying, Jesus. And we will pick that. Look at him over that chant. Look at him over that chant. But we, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Watch this. Literally, sometimes for hours, we on the altar, not asking God for cars, money. I ain't talking about my wife, my kids, nothing. Hours. It seems somewhat ludicrous, seems somewhat crazy. Father, in the name of Jesus, I need you to help me. No, 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 no. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. For hours. I didn't understand it then, and maybe some of my mentors at that time didn't understand it, but you know what was happening? We were going into a place of meditation. What is meditation? When you isolate one thing, and you focus in on that one thing, and you mentally rehearse it over and over and over and over again. And all we were saying was, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It started like this, Jesus, 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 thinking about my wife. Jesus, 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 thinking about my kid. Jesus, Jesus, what about work? Jesus, Jesus, what about my house? Jesus, Jesus, what about my family? Until you got to the point where you really didn't care. Y'all ain't ready for that, y'all ain't ready for that. You didn't care if you had the job or you got fired or not. It didn't matter. It didn't matter if, oh God, I know, I know this is blasphemy maybe, but it didn't matter. At this point, it don't matter if the marriage work out or not. At this point, it don't matter if the kids speak to me or not. At this point, it doesn't matter if my mama like my daddy like me or not. At this point, it's all about Jesus. And when you got to that point, supernatural happened every single time. I remember.
remember experiences that I had saying, Jesus, 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 Jesus. There were times when I would lose control of my body. I'm not just talking about some wild or some crazy thing that's going on. No, 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 no. I'm talking about mentally I am completely aware, but my body is doing stuff and my mouth is saying stuff that I literally, I don't, I'm there, but I don't have control because the Spirit of God has completely taken over my What happened? Because I came into a place of meditation where it was only one thing on the forefront of my mind. Supernatural happened. Let me show you in the text. Psalms 1, 1 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law doth he what, y'all? What does he do, y'all? He meditate day and night. Verse number 3 says, Because of his meditation... He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. In other words, planted means you become stable because your meditation is just on God. Y'all ain't saying nothing in this place. See, when your meditation ain't on God, your meditation, your focus is on your emotions. And when it comes to your emotions, sometimes you feel like a nut. <laughs> you got to be 40 and over to get it. The kid's like, what is he talking about? What is that? <laughs> Because of his meditations, it calls him to be stable. Because how I many you know if, when you focus on something stable, I, I was talking to this, this one girl, she's like a, 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 this, you know, the skater thing, what are they called? He said ice skater. <laughs> yeah, Chris, them, ice skater. And you know the thing that they do? <laughs> oh, I better stop. She told me the reason they're able to do that and not get dizzy is because while they're spinning, they focus on one thing. And many Christians are getting dizzy because you can't focus on your eyes are wandering with everything else around you and you become dizzy and you're fainting, becoming weary in your well-doing. Can somebody say amen to that? So the Bible declares because this man has a meditative life where he has the ability to sit in a peaceful place, focus in on one thing, his life now becomes stable, planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth. His, he becomes fruitful because he's stable. His leaf also shall not wither. And here it is. Whatever he does prospers because the man is stable. And the only reason he is stable is because he is mentally focused on what is. Joshua 1.8 says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt do what, y'all? You shall what, y'all? Meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have what kind of success, y'all? Whoo, Jesus. You, you don't even understand. You don't even understand. So, so on yesterday, this, this is all I was saying. I was praying, but I was in a meditative prayer, and I kept saying this. God, I submit myself to you. Jesus, I bow to you. I rest in you. Hands are not mine. They belong to you. Feet are not mine. They belong to you. God, I lay myself. I just kept saying these words and over and over and over and over again. Because can, 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 can y'all can y'all handle an honest preacher? I want to do crazy things just like some of y'all. Y'all, yeah, y'all, yeah, yeah, okay, 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 okay. Watch this. My flesh want a wife and a girlfriend too. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Watch this. 
I want to lie on my income taxes too. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Watch this. I'm tired of my car and I want to burn it up too. Yeah, 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 yeah. So y'all going y'all gonna to do me like that, right? I want to I wanna falsify insurance claim. I want to do all of that just like the average brother. But watch this. I know if I don't bring myself under subjection and the way that I do that is I got to bring Greg McGee in a meditative state where I focus on one thing. God, I'll bring my flesh under subjection to you. So, so, so watch this, watch this. Uh, um, um, marriage can be a trip. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, watch it, watch, watch it now. Marriage can be a trip. Yeah, watch this. There'll be nights, bro, Jeff, where ain't nothing finna happen tonight. You understand? I ain't nothing finna happen. Watch this. Don't even touch me. Look at me. Watch this. Look at me. Don't even look at me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. It's some nice brothers. You'll be like, I should have listened to my mama. <laughs> mama told me not to. She, the girl told me. And sisters, there will be some night you'll be like, Leroy wanted to marry me before you did. I just wonder, is Leroy, I just wonder, is he still a singer? Let me check his status on Facebook and see what his relationship status <laughs> Now, I'm, I'm telling you, man, me, me and my wife, this is my girl, man. Can you just stand up with your fine self, your fine self? I love all of you. You know that? And I'm falling in love more and more. Amen. You look good to me. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Amen. The rest of my life. Amen. If I lose all my teeth and you lose all yours, <laughs> we're going to gum it down. <laughs> watch, watch this, man. 20, 20 years, 20 years. Be 20 years in January. And it's, it's been some rough spots, man. Not only did we make it, we're making it. Yeah. And this is what, watch this, watch this, watch this. The Bible declares faith comes by what, y'all? The Bible don't say faith comes by having heard. And sometimes we get stuck because what we heard, what, what I know, you, somebody quoted a scripture, but I know what the Bible says. I, yeah, what, what increases your faith is not what you heard in Sunday school years ago, but what increases your faith is what you're currently hearing, right? That's why every year I'm going to do a series on marriage. I know last year's series blessed you. I know the year before that, that blessed you. It blessed mine as well. But we got to talk about these, some of these same issues, some of these same principles again, so I can be re-energized so my faith can continue to skyrocket. Can you say amen to that? So, so me personally, I'm kind of getting off right now. But what I do, at least, at, least, at least four to five books on marriage, I'm going to read every year just for Greg. Every year just for Greg. And I picked up a wonderful book, and I'm, I'm making my wife read it. It's called Making Sheet Music. <laughs> and I'm loving it so much, I'm like, you better read this. I'm checking out, are you reading yet? There's <laughs> some stuff I want you to hear. <laughs> Mar marriage, it, it can be very, very challenging. So when you... Any married couples ever been to this spot? 
come on, brothers, you ever been there? Come on now. Look, every married couple don't been there. Watch this. This this on his birthday too. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> yeah, I'm a happy birthday, you. You know what I'm saying? But but here's here's the question. Here's the question. Ooh, the, the question is not what you're gonna do when you get there, because you will get there. The question is, what thoughts are you gonna allow to entertain in your mind for the next 24 hours to a week? Because based on what you meditate on determines how you're going to react. Question is not if you're going to get there. What's going to be, I, I know you got crazy thoughts, right? Because watch this, right now, um, it's crazy. It's, mm, you thinking stuff that you don't need to say at this point right now. And it's uncontrollable, the thoughts just come. Isn't, isn't it amazing how poetic language comes in the heat of the moment? Yeah. Folks shaking their head, them the cussers. <laughs> Say man, <laughs> You don't cuss. No more. <laughs> no more. That girl got delivered two weeks ago. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm silly. I'm silly. Uh, when, when you get here and for the next two weeks, what, what are you going to do? This is what the scripture, because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, um, the scripture says this, this is a practice. This wasn't just some isolated event, but this was a practice of Isaac because it was a practice of his father, Abraham. Abraham periodically stopped to build altars. What were you doing at those altars? I was praying. I was meditating. He stopped periodically. And then God eventually helped him out with his meditation. He gave him something that guaranteed that he would keep his mind on its promise. He helped him with his meditation. He says, whenever you see a star in the, st the sky, it's, it's a reminder that that's, how, that's the number of seed that I'm going to give you. Whenever you see a grain on the seashore, that's a reminder of the number of seeds. So he gave him a vision board day and night to meditate on, to keep at the forefront of his mind that God was going to bless me. See, here's, here's the, okay, okay let, me, let me go, let me go here. Philippians 4 and 8. Anybody getting blessed? Anybody getting blessed? Anybody getting blessed? Watch this. Philippians 4 and 8 says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are, somebody shout true. true. Now, this is what you got to hear. There's a difference between truth and facts. Oh, open the door, sir. Open the door. Open the door, please. So right now, it's raining, it's drizzling. Is that a truth or a fact? It's a fact. Because facts change, truth never changes, ever. So the fact is, thank you, sir, that my wife and I might be having some challenging times. That's a fact. But the truth is, God put us together. So the question is, are you going to meditate on the facts or the truth? Because the, depending upon what you put your mind, you set your mind to, determines how you're going to respond or how you're going to react back. If I focus only on the fact that we have troubled times, it's going to make me angry, it's going to make me bitter, and I'm going to act out of that frustration. But, and watch this, I'm not telling you to ignore problems, no, I'm, tell, I'm trying to teach you or trying to challenge you to have the mi right mindset to better approach your problems. 
Anybody ever been approached with the right word in the wrong way? And sometimes, ladies, sometimes, gentlemen, in your relationship, you can be right and wrong at the same time. You're given the right word, but it's coming out of a bitter, angry, frustrated mouth, and you're trying to grow something while you put weed killer on it. So there's a difference between truth and facts. Facts is we might be having issues. Truth is God put us together. So in the midst of troublesome time, I got to focus on the truth that God put us together. So I, I gave myself away, and I shouldn't have did it because... I just never should have did it. So this is something one of my mentors taught me years ago, years ago. He says, you and your wife, when y'all have challenging times, you know how your emotions get. This is what I need you to do. I need you to repeat to yourself, I love my wife. 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 So I come up to her, I say, I love you. I mean, we just, just, got, in, just got in a fight. I said, I love you, babe. Love you, babe. I love you, sweetie. Love you, dear. Love you, dear. Love you. Love you. I love you. I love my wife. I love my wife. I love my. Love, watch this. I love. I love. I think I do love her. I think I do love her again. I love. I love my. I love my. And watch this. She started acting nicer. She's just. Now she. Watch this. Um, love is returning. And I don't know if, by default, she's acting more lovely. Is it just psychological? No, I think it's a spiritual principle there. What you meditate on, you give and you get. As a man think in his heart, so is he. So she's responding to who I am. I love my wife. 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 And what I saw it do, mother, is it started changing my heart and made me start acting more affectionate towards her. And watch this. The problems didn't go away. We were just able to, at least I was, <laughs> you need to start saying that. I love my husband. I love my husband. Start right now. Come on, come on. Watch this. I love my husband. <laughs> my, my heart was, was, was being massaged, and it was changing. So I, I, I gave her that nugget. I was, think I was at a marriage conference or something like that, and I told her what I was doing. So now when I go up to her and I say, I love you, she's like, don't be doing that crap to me. That What you call it? <laughs> what you call it? That what now? Reverse psychology stuff. It ain't that. Well, this reverse psychology mumbo-jumbo helping me and you. <laughs> Paul says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are, somebody shout, is it really true? We're not focusing on facts. We're going to deal with facts in our relationship, but my mind is going to focus on the actual truth of this relationship. Whatsoever things are, somebody shout, honest. Whatsoever things are what? Whatsoever things are, whatsoever things are, Come on, that ain't everybody. Whatsoever things are of a, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, what does he say do? I need you to mentally lock on this so your mind don't go there. Are y'all with me? So this is good not only for a marriage, it's great for a marriage, it's great for a relationship, but in all actuality, this, this wisdom spans all relationships, whether it's mother and father, husband and wife, employer, employees, 
all of that because sometimes as an employer, I'll look at an employee or sometimes as an employee, I'll look at my boss and I have these negative feelings towards him and, and, and watch this, I might not be verbalizing them, but how many know you can just kind of pick some stuff up in your... So here's the challenge. Three things and I'm almost out of here. In bad, somebody shout in bad times. And bad times are coming. Bad, bad times are coming. I heard somebody say, they're here right now. They ain't coming. <laughs> they're upon us, Pastor. <laughs> In relationships, it, Jesus never promised us a problem-free life. What he did promise us, he says, many are the, uh, many are the help me, afflictions, thank you, of the righteous. But the Lord delivers us out of them all. So he said troubles was going to come, but he also says deliverance is also available. So troubles will come, bad times will come. This is what I want to challenge you to do. Number one, remember when things were good. Let me just let that marinate just in the atmosphere. Because if you're not careful, and I'm guilty of this, I'm, I'm really guilty of this, something goes bad in the relationship. And sometimes I have the mental tendency to paint 20 years with what's going on right now. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And that's not true. Things are bad now, but they ain't always been bad. And the reality is, they won't always be bad. They might just be bad right now. So number one, if you're taking notes, remember when things, remember when they were good. Again, this is not a cop-out where I'm saying I'm not gonna handle the issue, I'm just gonna act like everything is everything. No, I'm not challenging you to do that. What I am challenging you to do is as you approach problems, make sure you actually approach them with the right spirit and right attitude. So remember when things were good. Number two, focus on a God outcome. Notice God and not good outcome. Because a good outcome is I win. Can I get a witness? Come on now, how many of y'all approach arguments and you trying to win? You got your deck stacked of what you're going to say, and you've already foresaw what they're going to say, prophet and prophetesses. <laughs> you know what they're going to say, and you already got your comeback when they say what you. you. So we're not focusing on a good outcome. I want a God outcome. What's the difference? Good outcome, I win. God outcome, he gets the glory. And sometimes his glory means my humility. Sometimes it's me taking the low road. I want a God outcome. Number three, mentally rehearse what God said about your marriage. Now, I'm going to give you a scriptures, a couple of scriptures, but I, I'll, I'll give you some examples here. Okay, and the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. So, so you might need to meditate on that one scripture <laughs> because there are times when things go down and you're like, I think it is good <laughs> for a brother to be by himself. But things are just bad right now. But I'm going to put my mind on what God says about my marriage. It's, it's, it's not good for me to be alone. Let's reverse that. That means it's good for us to be together. So if God says it's good for us to be together, I'm going to think about us being together and not. Watch this. Because some of y'all have been here. I've been here. Things were so bad. I mentally played out my divorce. I was trying to figure out what we're going to do with the kids. 
which one I was going to keep. <laughs> which ones I'd have to pay least child support to because them the ones you was getting. <laughs> Come on, man. What are we going to do with the church? How, what I'm going to say before the people, I just, y'all pray for my wife. She's gone crazy. Y'all laughing, but I'm saying I don't. I don't map this thing all the way out. Already had in my mind what I'm gonna tell my mentors and my my, my overseers, and w- when I talk to them, had the whole thing. La- Why is it that you spend more energy planning your divorce than mentally planning the success and the rebound of your marriage? So you wonder, oh geez, you wonder why things continue to get worse in my marriage is because I stopped seeing it getting better. So everything she did added more fuel, whether it was good or bad, it literally added more fuel to the fire because you can get to a bent place that even if your spouse began to show goodwill, you'll convince yourself it's just, she's just doing that. She just want my money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My wife, she made me mad. There was one argument, she made me mad. Her, um, <laughs> you know, brother, brother just trying to live right and do right. So her, um, she was throwing some serious shade, boy, serious shade. So um, I was working with the Boy Scouts of America, and um, I resigned from that to start an insurance company. And, of course, when you first start any business, it, it just, you ain't, you ain't just getting paid, you understand? Brother was going through a little, little financial difficulties. And so she started telling me this story about her grandmother and her grandfather. And she said, yeah, she said, and he'd be bringing home his little welfare check to help around the house. And then she gonna look at me. <laughs> so these few hundreds, you consider them welfare checks? I <laughs> think I keep my little welfare check, then <laughs> you know what I'm I'm getting mad all over. I love my wife. I love my wife. I love my wife. I love my wife. <laughs> Proverbs 18, 22, whoso findeth a wife, findeth what, y'all? A good thing and what, y'all? She might not be acting good, but God called her good. And it don't look like we're in a favorite position, but God says that we are. So either you're going to meditate on the facts or the truth. Because meditating on the truth can change the facts. Ephesians 5.33, however, each one of you also must, somebody shall love, love his wife, love his wife. Somebody shall love his wife. As he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. It doesn't say husbands love your good wives. It just say love your wife. And it doesn't say wives honor and respect your great, respectable husbands. It just shows respect. Because sometimes, you know, we live in a society where, and I hear this all the time, if you want respect, you ought to give it. <laughs> but that's not the way of God. Way of God. My military guys, make some, and girls, make some noise. Where y'all at? Where y'all at? There it is. There it is. I got a few military people in there. And one of the things I really appreciate about them, and, and it's, it's really easy for them, they show respect to title, not person. 
They show respect to title, not person, because that's their training in the military. It doesn't matter how he acted, because he's in the position when he walks by, I salute, because I respect the title, not the person. So watch this, God will deal with the person, you honor the title. And if she is your wife, watch this, she might be a bad wife. Let God deal with the bad part. Come on, somebody. You still show love because that's who she is to you. And here's the wisdom. Be not deceived, for God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also. If you show love, you'll. <laughs> when you show respect, sisters, you get it back. That's the way of God. Can you say amen to that? So watch this. In bad times, once again, I'm almost done. Remember when things were good, number one. Number two, focus on a God. Somebody shout a God outcome. God. Number three, mentally rehearse what God said about your marriage. Now, I'm done because this, is, this saved my marriage. It saved my marriage. When I learned how to meditate on the truth of my relationship versus the facts, it helped me to keep my spirit right. And it always helped me in my approach because me meditating on what God said about my marriage didn't make problems disappear. It just put me in the right frame mentally, uh, mental, mental state where I could more effectively deal with problems, number one. Number two, it always provoked the supernatural hand of God. Why? Because when you meditate on God, he always manifests something spiritual or natural in your favor always happens so this is what I'm going to talk about next week I have one more thought but I'm going to talk about this next week the fact that Isaac was meditating in the presence of God and in his meditation while he was focusing on God God was working for him to find his wife and bring it to him he didn't go out looking for her. He didn't compromise to try to keep her. He kept his face in the face of God. And while he was handling God's business, God was handling. So let me bring it back to the marital couples. There are situations where you guys will have in your relationship, and there are factors that you just cannot control. You cannot control his heart. You cannot manipulate. You can try to manipulate her heart, but at the end of the day, you, you, you are limited in your control. Only God can adjust the heart of a man or a woman. Are y'all with me? So if I stay in his face, come on somebody, handling his business, it will rebound and God will start fixing the things that I can't fix. So this final thought, when it comes to meditation, this is something that we should practice. We, we should have a focus point concerning certain areas in our lives. When God reveals a promise to you, when you see a word of God that's applicable to your situation, you should keep that on the forefront of your mind. Psalms 1 has been a meditative verse since I was like 14 or 15 years old. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law doth he meditate, meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That last portion, whatever he does, prosper. That has been a meditated portion, of, a meditated verse since I was 14 years old. And I have seen the results of everything that I reach out to do that God leads me in every endeavor. It works out. You know why? Because when trouble comes, I don't focus on the trouble. 
I focus on the verse that tells me if I meditate day and night, whatever I do, it's going to prosper. So when things happen, are you going to meditate on the trouble or are you going to meditate on the word that God spoke? Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, there are just a couple of things I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, if this ministry has impacted your life in any way and you'd love to help us to continue to impact the lives of others, go to our website, empowerthecity.org, and select Give Now. Thank you again for listening to this podcast. We'll see you next time.